Welcome back. Another edition of the IndyCar Show here, BurnoutSports.com. Tony Donahue, Luke Edwards. We're going to look back at the XBEL 375 down at the Texas Motor Speedway. It was an exciting weekend with Joseph Newgarden on the final lap, passing his Team Penske teammate, coming off of corner number four to pick up the win. Team Penske, for the first time in 10 years, has won the first two races to start the season. Luke, an overall exciting weekend. Let's just kind of start with Saturday. We saw two practice sessions qualifying. Felix Rosenquist ends up on the pole. Disappointing race on Sunday. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the accident with Jack Harvey. Uh, just your initial takeaways from what we saw on Saturday. Them getting that second lane rubbered in a little bit. Um, and then that final practice on Saturday evening. Just your initial thoughts on, on what we saw on Saturday. So as we went into the weekend, we we were guessing based on last year's race that qualifying was going to be of the utmost importance, uh, similar to how you go into a Formula One weekend. Uh, sure enough, we saw five of the guys that qualified in the top 10 finish in the top 10. So it was important. Um, we saw a couple big accidents. Um, well, the first one of the weekend being Jack Harvey on Saturday. Unfortunately, they destroyed the whole left side of a car. He had to go into concussion protocol, and you flew in Santino Ferrucci at the last second, who barely got any time to sit in the car, um, and we can touch more on that in, in a little bit. But yeah, um, I think the thing that stood out to me the most about Saturday was that there were only a handful of takers to go out and do that voluntary practice to rubber in that top groove or that NASCAR PJ1 compound rests on the track. Um, so Graham Ray Hall, Team Ray Hall was one of the guys that went up there and did it. Um, but yeah, expensive Saturday for them. Yeah, uh, so the pole sitter, uh, we had this stat and the graphic on Burnout Sports and, and all of our social media accounts. Uh, don't forget to follow us as well. Uh, the pole sitter at Texas, 0 for 13, now 0 for 14. A disappointing Sunday. Uh, but back to Jack Harvey's accident. Yeah, it just looked like he washed up. Uh, and then he, it was almost like he had it corrected and then overcorrected at the last second. Hard impact. Um, kudos to IndyCar and Ray Hall for um, coming back and evaluating him on Sunday, uh, a few, you know, 12, 15 hours after the accident. Uh, we didn't want another situation like we found out during the pandemic in 2020 with Oliver Askew, uh, who had that injury in Indianapolis and then ran two or three more races while being undiagnosed with a concussion. So, uh, the extra steps that IndyCar and Ray Hollerman Lanigan Racing took. Kudos to them for that. But, yeah, hard accident. Uh, Ferrucci flies in, the super sub. Uh, has won a hell of a run on Sunday. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, we talked about this last week. You want to qualify up towards the front, but maybe not too good. Uh, it was a disappointing Sunday for Felix Rosenquist in the race starting from the pole. Let's go to the race on Sunday. Really – Again, for the second straight race, dominated by Scott McLaughlin. Sometimes uh, the lap traffic gets in your way. Uh, things don't fall where you should. And, and really, the, this is the first time on an oval that McLaughlin's been leading a race, having a chance to win. Yeah, he finished second last year at Texas, but he was kind of on the prowl there instead of being the hunted like he was on Sunday. Uh, but a big win for Joseph Newgarden, a guy that you picked to win, and my pick to win the people ready uh, $500,000 challenge. So I'm all about that. Uh, but, but one hell of a finish again, one hell of a race really overall at Texas motor speedway on Sunday. 
Absolutely. I mean, my picks were either the cream of the crop on Sunday or they were absolute crap. There was no in between. I picked uh, Newgarden to win. He's just one of those guys that's always strong at Texas. He seems to get it. Um, he's already had his big shunt there when he was racing the Fuzzies Vodka car. I think that was back in 2016 or 17. Um, and since then, he's been kind of no fear there. Um, Dixon, I had him to win. Of course, he charges to a top five. Uh, I can never count him out at Texas. You know, he's he's right behind Jimmy Johnson and, and wins his teammate. Um, but then I picked DeFrancesco. Uh, as uh, as my highest finishing rookie, that did not work out. I had Rossi as my dark horse. I think he finished dead last, uh, first car out of the race. And uh, I had Castro Neves in the top three, who had a strong car, but uh, had a little run in with De Francesco going into uh, turn three there. Well, let's just start off with really the bad luck of Andretti Autosport. You know, Grosjean goes out with with, with the mechanical Rossi had issues really from the get-go, jumping the start, and then uh, it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Devlin's accident, um, he was he was kind of involved in a couple other ones too. He ended, he ended Sato's day or Sato's chance a little bit earlier there. Um, let's let's start with the incident uh, with Devlin Francesco, Graham Rahal, and Elio Castro-Neves. There was a gap there for Devlin. Uh, you know, as a veteran driver, you probably know we're not quite to the end of the race where we go for that. Uh, but a rookie, sometimes you just you don't know what you don't know. I always say at Indianapolis, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. And there's there's two types of oval racers, driver or racers that have hit the wall and racers that are going to hit the wall. Devlin certainly has now um, an aggressive move. There there, there was a gap. Um, I think that Elio and Graham would have been more entailed to uh, see it from his perspective had that happened in, let's say, the closing 50 laps instead of when it did happen. Uh, but certainly a tough break for really all three of those drivers, Luke. Yeah, and we saw three yellows right in a row, and they all had the common denominator of of Devlin down at the bottom of the track. And uh, as Kirkwood alluded to, he didn't blame him at first, but then seeing the replay, he did have a wiggle up. He stepped about a, a tire width up the track, and with this slick compound and the top not being rubbered in, that's all it takes to push somebody out. So you saw Sato, you go yellow, come back from yellow, you see him get underneath, um, sorry, he went underneath Sato, kind of pushed him wide, Sato's out. He gets underneath uh, Kirkwood, who was a hard charger. He had a lot of speed in that car and was comfortable running up top. He passed 10 cars in 45 seconds on one of the restarts running up top because he pitted for tires. So he was comfortable up there, but not that extra couple of feet that he got pushed out when, when Devlin wiggled. And then, yeah, I think, I think those two you could almost call more racing incidents, especially the Kirkwood. But trying to force it three wide, in my opinion, not as a racer, just as a fan, it looked to be a little bit of a stretch to only get that front half of your car in there. And uh, on the onboard view from Jimmy Johnson's car, I saw that he had his left side tires all the way down below the apron. So you have that transition from the banking I think the only guy I've ever seen make that work and hold on to it was Pato last year. So, yeah, disappointing day for Andretti as a whole. Yeah, I mean, Rossi just – the shit luck continues for Rossi. There's really no else, no way, way else to put that. 
Uh, Grosjean, you know, you would like to see if he could if he could put you know 248 laps together and stay out there. That didn't happen. Colton Herta uh, was fast early uh, and then again faded. Uh, so Andretti Autosport, you know, not off to a very good start. They haven't really been in contention for the first two races. I know Grosjean was was okay, but you never thought that he was going to win at St. Pete. Same with Colton. So uh, tough for Andretti Autosport. Let's go back to a guy that you mentioned in Kyle Kirkwood, AJ Foyt Racing. Uh, he was fast. He showed that he has the talent. Again, my biggest concern with him all year was, can the car match his talent? Because I feel like he has that talent to be able to be up there. Uh, but I was impressed with him until his accident. Yeah, I felt like Texas this week was uh, the great equalizer. Um, nobody really knew what they were getting into. You had a different start time, a different time of year, different temperatures, and uh, a little bit of a different approach like we've what we've talked about with the PJ1 or whatever they call that traction compound now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Kirkwood definitely has the prowess going into the Indy 500. He definitely has the cojones to uh, to pass on the outside. I mean, watching the onboard, it's out there on YouTube somewhere. His AIM camera onboard. That was Kanan-esque. I mean, he put an absolute clinic on. Whether, you know, he had 20 lap fresher tires or not, that was a clinic. And uh, he went from 20-something. I was trying to see in the replay, but he was like 21st, 22nd. And went all the way up. The last car he passed was for ninth place and got into the top 10 around Joseph Newgarden. So just keeping the car underneath you and being smart up top like that, I think, shows a lot of responsibility with your driving style. And it tells the other guys around you that, hey, I can race beside you. As we touched on a minute ago, there might be a few drivers out there that uh, that left Texas not having as many friends. But I think Kirkwood is is uh, getting a lot of respect from the veterans after that weekend. Yeah, and I think this is great for multiple reasons. One, I wrote about this at burnoutsports.com. The, you know, really, the and, and I know Devlin caused a few accidents, but but he was quick. He flirted with the top 10 in both practice sessions. I think he was 11th and 12th or maybe 10th and 11th. Um, but everybody who made their Texas debut, okay, I know that we can – there's going to be Dr. Correctos out there that say, oh, well, Grosjean ran a gateway last year. Okay, But I'm talking about there were, there, were, there were six drivers that made their Texas debut that have never ran the Indianapolis 500. So I think it was very important for these drivers to get out there and have an oval before the Indianapolis 500 for the first time in how long. So I think it really sets itself for a very competitive Indy 500. Usually you don't pick a rookie to win that race, uh, but the rookie of the year battle is going to be uh fierce come indianapolis 500 time i mean it's going to be fierce throughout the season but uh again yeah was impressed with what kirkwood is doing that you said canon like i say thomas Schechter like pretty much the same thing they're back in back in the late 2000s um you know we, we've talked about this and we really didn't i don't think gave joseph newgarden the credit that he deserves right because it's just like oh yeah joseph newgarden won it's what he does uh the guy's in his prime the guy is continuing to get it done and, you know, after a, a disappointing St. Pete, it was huge for him to pick up this victory. Nobody was surprised that Joseph Newgarden won, right? Like, he's probably the number one driver on the number one team, and, and McLaughlin is right there as well. But 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 let's go back to Team Penske. Will Power right there as well. Uh, after kind of not having the best of years, the last two or three, I would say, for Team Penske, boy, they are sure off to a hot start here in 2022. Oh, yeah. I think it was after the second or third round of pit stops. All of a sudden, they're one, two, three. That first stint, you had McLaughlin in the lead. You pretty much ran 
one, two, three, McLaughlin. Uh, and you had, um, oh, I can't remember. It was Sato in third and Rosenquist in second. So that pretty much didn't change until the first stint. And then Newgarden had some mega, mega pit stop where he went from about 10th place where he was running that whole first stint all the way up into second. I don't know what they did. I know he pitted one lap earlier than McLaughlin. And then you had a one, two, three with Penske for a while. You had uh, you had willpower all the way up in third. And of course, all three Penske cars finished in the top four. I mean, they're on a roll. It's, it's a lot different than the 2020 and 2021 season. They've won the first two races. The guy that won the first race, McLaughlin, last year's rookie of the year, finished runner up in this race. And led 186 laps. I mean, dominated this race. How gutting is it to get past on the last lap? I mean, that just came down to a little bit of lap traffic. And I think Newgarden had that confidence. But you're absolutely right. He he came from way back. I think a lot of the first and second stint, he was running somewhere around 10th to 12th. Kind of right where all that action was happening, right where all the danger was happening. So yeah, he absolutely drove up to the front and he had to he had to navigate around those lap cars just like everybody else. And Marty Snyder kind of said it's in the post-race show afterwards, like, all right, Scott, last year you finished second, you were ecstatic. Now this year, a year later, you finished second and and it's disappointing. So that just kind of shows you how in a year how he's been able to adapt to IndyCar. You know, I, I give a lot of these drivers a quote-unquote pass that maybe have struggled from 2020 or 2021. This is a little, a little bit different, not as much practice time, uh, time to get your car set up. But now with two practice sessions, uh, McLaughlin had a hell of a run. Another hell of a run, your guy Jimmy Johnson um, was battling there for a top five spot, ends up sixth. Uh, he said that he got halfway through the race and he was very comfortable. He became one with the race car. Uh, a very impressive run, but man, Luke, this kind of sets him up to be one of the favorites, if not already one of the favorites. Certainly, this gives him that confidence that he can run up front and on an oval in an Indy car. Yeah, that whole race, I was watching him, and he just ran a smooth, collected event. I mean, I think he had two or three cars spin out right in front of him, one of them being that three-car yep. pileup and yep. just kept his hands steady he didn't have the rookie jitters but he ran back there in what i'd call the shit for the almost the first half of the race it wasn't really until you got into that second half that he kind of moved up into the top 15 and then about 50 laps to go he was just off you could tell he was comfortable he had the car underneath him he was steady um probably didn't hurt that he had been running texas what twice a year in a nascar every year since 02 so he slugged a lot of laps around that place probably more than anybody else out there on that circuit easily maybe even double um but yeah once he got that car underneath him you could tell he, that he took to it like a fish to water and according to him in the post race they actually had a miscommunication on the fuel saving strategy and he was really backing out of it. And that's the only reason that his teammate Dixon was able to pass him and get into the top five. But he still salvaged that sixth place. But man, he was rolling, especially around lap 30 when he got into that top 10. Um, he, he quite literally drove to the front. I was so impressed by that. It wasn't a pit strategy that got him up there. Mm -hmm. He had to drive his way. 
Yeah, pretty good day for Ganassi overall. Uh, obviously, you're not good. You know, if you're inside of those walls of Chip Ganassi Racing, you're going to say, yeah, we had all four in a top 10, but but Team Penske, our biggest rival, finishes one, two, four. So uh, Marcus Erickson, great run to get on the podium, his first ever oval podium. Guy's been the model of consistency lately. I think 13 of his last 14 races, he's finished in the top 10. Uh, that's what you got to do to win a championship. You know he's going to be a force to be reckoned with on the street courses like Detroit, like Nashville. So so a great day, I thought, for, for Ganassi. But when you look and you look up on the scoring pylon and you see Team Penske 1-2-4, you're going to say, oh, well, yeah, it's great. But then you see that. We didn't really gain as much points as we wanted. Let's talk, Luke, about Texas. Um, earlier date in March going up against the NCAA tournament. A noon start, no longer a night race. I think the number was 954,000 people watched live on NBC. Um, there was rumors going into the weekend that Texas would be off the schedule and Milwaukee would take its place. There seems to be room for maybe another oval on the schedule if they still wanted to add Milwaukee. I thought from a racing standpoint, it was a great race, and Texas deserves to be back on the schedule. Uh, it seems like they kind of got a most of the kinks worked out, like you said, from the PJ1 and, and the racing line and such. Um, you know, I, I don't think going up against the NCAA tournament was the best of ideas, just like going up against the Masters in two weeks for Long Beach isn't the best of ideas. I know IndyCar is going to say things like, well, we can't worry about what other sports are doing. And we can't worry about what the NFL is doing, but it's time that you do because those are the sporting events that are constantly kicking your ass and taking it away from ratings. We had Formula One in the morning, get a pretty good number. NASCAR was a little bit later in the afternoon. Um, your overall thoughts on, on, on the numbers that we saw coming out of Texas and, and maybe some thoughts, suggestions moving forward to make Texas, I guess, for the lack of a better term, more noticeable. Yeah, like you alluded to, uh, there's plenty of room in this schedule from a from a fan perspective. I think um, I'm glad I'm not the one having to make those scheduling decisions and make those deals with the tracks. But I'll put it this way: we went out to wings, etc., right, to watch the race. We, first of all, it's a bad sign when you have to ask to have a TV put on the race, and then they turn on Formula One uh, in Indy. In great. Indy, by the way, so. Yes. In in Indy, yeah, in Indianapolis. <laughs> so you're already doing that. And then, of course, the whole bar has on the uh, the tournament. So you don't mm -hmm. get any sound. So I'm playing the race from my phone. Um, I apologize. That's why I couldn't engage and tweet and everything like that. But I have to have the sound from my phone. And it's just kind of like, man, this really feels second tier. Um, I think the noon start time for me personally that's always kind of a deterrent for me because either I am barely making it after church or I'm barely making it from sleeping in. Like people like to sleep in on Sundays. Um, we can get more into some of these tweets, but I saw a lot of people talking about consistent time slots. I know like with the NFL, that first game is at 1 p.m. I know that. I don't have to wonder or look it up. I know the first slot of games, 1 p.m. That's when the TV's on. So, yeah, I think it was just kind of a perfect storm of you have all the hype surrounding the Formula One race and these new cars. You still have a lot of hype around NASCAR, which, yes, it started later, but they have new cars. 
and then you have the tournament you're going against all those things um combined with you know a kind of lackluster texas race the last couple of years i i think that you aim for a night race but however the time of year i think it's pretty great plus it gives these young guys who haven't been on an oval and indycar yet one race before they go to the big show at indy well look there was nobody in attendance of that race basically i mean it's a massive it's a massive stadium for a racetrack right so even if you were to have twenty five to 30,000 people in there, it's going to look empty. But I don't even think that they sniffed that throughout the entire weekend. I mean, I would be surprised if, if based on what I saw on TV, that 12,000 people were there, right? So the attendance isn't there, like you said. I mean, you're in the Bible Belt down in Texas. People are, and it's 11.30 local start time. You can't get from church to the racetrack in time, right? So I think they need to look at time slots. And they need to look at what what their competition is. And I've said this about Iowa for years. Like, move that thing to a Thursday night in the middle of summer where you got nothing else going on that week of the All-Star game for the for Major League Baseball where there's really no other, no other pro sports. Um, with that being said, look, the attendance was not good at all. Okay. So a Saturday night – I don't mind it being in March, but IndyCar needs to – seriously look at who their what their competition is because they knew going in that March Madness is this weekend the Masters is this weekend look at these major events these major you know once a year type events and try your best not to go up against them and then I'm I'm okay with the condensed schedule I know the offseason already seems a little bit too long ending in September but going up against the NFL is tough um, condense these races. It's so hard to, or condense the schedule of the amount of time between races. It's so hard to gain momentum when you start with a great event in St. Pete and you got to wait three weeks to get to Texas. And then you got to wait three more or two more weeks to get to Long Beach. Um, there needs to just be, and if it has to be condensed and they run from March through July, then they run March through July or March through August. Uh, but these these large gaps don't help. I think the lack of promotion, I read that a lot on some of the tweets that were sent back to me about what NBC could do. But I think it starts with IndyCar needs to look in the mirror and say, okay, we aren't the NFL. We're not NASCAR. We're not college basketball. We're not these main tier sports that people are tuning into no matter what. We unfortunately are a B-tiers American sport that gets – constantly beaten by NASCAR and Formula One. Okay, so where are we? And you need to be real with yourself. And I, and I, I don't want to quote Mark Miles on this, but I thought he said a few years ago, well, we can't really worry about the NFL and what's going on. Well, what I think there was one weekend they threw an IndyCar race. Yeah, it was in October in 2020. I know that's a different story with COVID, but it went up against a home Colts game. And that's that's so damn tough to do because – Everybody in this town watches the NFL. They certainly watch the Colts. So you really need to look at, if you're IndyCar, we can't be going up against March Madness. We can't be going up the back nine of the Masters on Sunday, which is right about the time the green flag will fly in the streets of Long Beach. Um, a lot of that has to do with NBC, and I know that they're probably handcuffed to what NBC wants to do and, and being on that live local NBC channel, not an NBC Sports, not a USA, not a Peacock um, Luke, your thoughts too on this that was mentioned a lot too. 
people don't like to pay any kind of extra money for anything, right? That's just the world we live in. I get it. Gas prices are through the roof. People were bitching that they don't want to pay the extra five bucks to see practice and qualifying when Formula One, you can watch free practice and qualifying on ESPN or ESPN app. Same with NASCAR, Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports 2 or NBC Sports carries all the practices. Uh, your thoughts on having to watch practice and qualifying behind a payroll and that kind of deterring people away too. I'd say, yeah, not only the paywall, but it's also a convenience factor. I mean, we live in a world of convenience. I have everything in my fingertips that I want, except for IndyCar. You know, I have to either download a separate app if I want it on my phone. You know, all these people that have streaming apps on their phone, usually Peacock isn't one of them unless you are really obsessed with the office, which fair enough, but it's, it's just, it breaks it up too much. Like if I want to watch any other sport, I know that I can plop down on my living room couch. I can turn on live TV, which is the only time I ever watch anything on actual television anymore is for sports. And it's going to be the same channel. You know, it's your go-tos. You have your Fox Sports. You have your, you know, FS1, NBC, CBS for the NFL, and uh, NBC for basketball. It has a, an ease of access to it. I don't want to have to wonder where the pre-race is, wonder where the qualifying is. People are busy. You've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. And paywalls are just an agitating thing. I get in these discussions all the time as a, as a content person for the IMS Museum. And we've had these discussions come up. Do we put stuff behind a paywall? And my answer is always no. Free is always better to get more eyeballs, create more fans. I'd agree with this. Um, IndyCar is just one of those sports where, like you said, right now, it's kind of that B-roll. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be because the product is there. It's just the presentation. Yeah, we got to find our nice little slot right in between where maybe a basketball game's over, a major event is over, not trying to compete with NASCAR, not trying to compete with the NFL. Do a Friday night, do a Saturday night if you have to. Uh, move it around during the year if you need to. But that for me was a huge inconvenience. I can't tell you how many times as an IndyCar fan, I see something on the schedule on Instagram or on Twitter. And yeah, I got to go onto a different app. Eh, I'm probably just going to do something else. Yeah. And, and I saw a lot of people saying they just simply didn't know when the race was. And then when they turned it on, it was different time than what they saw. So um it just it's got to it's it, it is growing and i know a lot of people say oh you know there, there are a lot of people out there say oh well it's, it's just all about the 500 and nobody really cares about the other races except for the hardcore fan base which there might be some truth to that uh, but i think it is a growing sport and even in this is like a crazy idea it's probably going to cost you an arm and a leg but look any nfl game you watch whether it's on cbs fox Usually it's CBS or Fox because those are the day games on Sunday. They say, hey, don't forget tonight over on NBC is the Sunday night game. Even if you have to pay like ESPN during a Formula One race to say, oh, and, you know, coming up today at one o'clock is the IndyCar race from Texas over on NBC. Um, I mean, you know, money buys everything. So maybe there's a way that they can do that. Maybe ESPN tells them no. Maybe IndyCar doesn't want to swallow their pride on that. But uh, still a lot more growing to do. 
I mean, I am very appreciative of what NBC has done for the sport and has really committed to it. Uh, they've added it to their NBC Sports Predictor app. It looks like there's eventually going to be a partnership with PointsBet when it comes to the betting side of things. Um, but, but yeah, I, I kind of tweeted that out. I sent it over to you. I got a lot more reaction than what I thought I would. And maybe that's the hardcores that follow me. But those hardcores are giving out their opinion. And, 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 and I... I would IndyCar get on my Twitter and check out, just read what people have to say because, you know, the survey that you put out a, a, a few weeks ago, okay, great. But like, these are people that are responding to me about what the hell is going on and why they're not tuning into IndyCar. So um, I'm obviously fired up about that, as you can tell. So um, with that being said, kudos to IndyCar. Uh, Ray Mysterio was down there. I, I preached the, you know, you, you preach this too. Um, having a post-race show with the podium, I thought that was great on Peacock, although you had to pay for it. Um, on, I, I mean, you can't throw that thing on USA. I, they probably are, are, are airing reruns of wrote that Isles lawyer attorney show. So, um, But Rey Mysterio I thought was huge. He was down, even if you don't like wrestling. I mean, w, they got two tweets from WWE that has 12 million followers. They got a tweet or two or three from Rey Mysterio. At two million, so they are doing a good job of of incorporating other sports. Um, Ezekiel Elliott down at St. Pete, so so it's not that they're we're, we're just like crapping on them for the bad. Like I want to give them some props <laughs> as well. Um, I think that they are doing a good job. A lot of the teams are doing a good job of the behind the scenes type um, interactions and the type and the behind the scenes um, yeah. videos that we see. I know a lot of those are doing it. Hopefully, as we know. It sets us up for some kind of drive to survive show, which a lot of people have suggested, Luke, is something that's going to um, grow the sport and continue to grow the sport. I uh, want to get to this real quick. The power rankings for IndyCar I have that, that I put together. I have Scott McLaughlin in first. Number one, obvious. Joseph Newgarden catapults the win to two. Power three, Polo four. Erickson, top five. Uh, then Dixon Herta, Johnson, into the top 10 VK. And I'm still going to put Grosjean in there. You know, it really wasn't his fault. Uh, any agreements, disagreements you see in the power rankings that we just put out on burnoutsports.com after Texas? Well, Johnson is lofty. Uh, I like him up there in eighth. Um, we'll have to see how he does come the street circuit and, and the very tough Alabama road course with all those elevation changes. Mm -hmm. Um but I think you're right on with McLaughlin. He is the series points leader. He has a number not hard one to finish, be. not number I, two finish. Yeah. I didn't go out on the limb but, on uh, that, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Penske, one, two, three, though. Look at that. And uh, and then you have Ganassi, four, five, six. I, I would agree. I think the perfect spot for her is right there in seventh. You know, that's kind of where Andretti is. They're putting... It looks like the most effort into the herd of cars or herd is just that level above. Um, but I like VK there in ninth too. I think we're going to see him move up. I just spoke with him yesterday. Uh, he stopped by the museum. We did a little thing for, uh, for some TV show. Um, but he was telling me about how his race went and that 10th place didn't really reflect. They just kind of missed on the strategy on the tires a little bit, had some fall off. Um, but he got very comfortable running up top, and we saw him get up into second place there for a while at Texas, too. So I think VK is a really well-rounded driver. 
He ran well at Indy. He obviously won the Indy GP. So he's got a couple strong races coming up. I, I look for him to maybe push his way into your top five. Yeah. And, and last year he was off to a hell of a start too. I think he finished in top 10 in seven of the first eight races before that injury. Uh, I'm going to tweet over to Renus the scene from uh, Days of Thunder where Harry Hogg and Cole Trickle go to the test track and he says, his way, my way. And I was three seconds faster because the tires didn't burn off. So, because uh, it was the same, same situation with St. Pete. You know, he led laps. Uh, they were saving fuel. Tires kind of wore off on him. But, yeah, uh, Renus VK, one hell of a talent. And these these power rankings, if you didn't get to see them all, head to burnoutsports.com to check them out. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to put it together because you're really going off the first two races and a little bit of momentum uh, from last year. All right, before we wrap up here, DraftKings uh, was the first to put together the latest – Rank, or latest odds, excuse me, for the upcoming Indianapolis 500. Uh, Scott Dixon is your odds-on favorite at 6-1. to one. The New Garden, McLaughlin, Herta, and Pato Award, followed by Power, Polo, Castro, Neves, and Rossi. Uh, some other notables, Graham and Simon, 20-1. to one. Renus VK, 22-1. to one. At Carpenter, 35-1, and Grosjean, 25-1. What sticks out to me there, um, a couple different ones. I do like Graham and Simon at 20-1. to one. Um, Ed is always fast. He is usually around if he doesn't get caught up in somebody else's mistake. 2020 wasn't his fault on the start. He's usually right there in the top five. Pagino's right there. Uh, some good early money to be made because these odds will probably go down. They will decrease in value as we get closer to May. Drivers gain momentum, and then obviously after qualifying when they set the lineup. So um, you you cool with, with Dixon, New Garden, and McLaughlin being your top three? I, I kind of disagree with that, but that's the way it's set so far. I would almost put Ray Hall in third. Uh, just seeing his trend, he gets faster and faster at Indy every single year, notwithstanding last year with a mistake and a pit stop that had nothing to do with his driving ability. Um, and thank goodness he was okay with that tire flying off on him on the warm-up lane. But watching the trend of Ray Hall just etch his way closer and closer and closer, he's always sniffing right around that area you want to be in that third through fifth position at the end of the race. Um, yeah, I'd put him in third. New Garden, uh, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's never been his yeah. best track, but we all know that Penske finds a way for those championship drivers to coax their way into a, a fast Indy 500 car. Um, I'm guessing you disagree with McLaughlin, but I'm guessing yeah. you agree with Dixon because I'm. I feel like Dixon's that guy. Just keep betting on him. Uh, it's amazing that he only has one Indy 500 win all the way back in 2008. Yeah. Well, you know, I certainly agree with that. And I think the odds makers on IndyCar just automatically, number one, go with Scott Dixon. You know, if, there, if there's nothing else and we're just picking it two months out, we're going to put Dixon at number one. Um, I love Scott Dixon. Love him to death. Okay. one. I mean, just one of the most class human beings of all time. However... Like you said, he's only won the 500 once, which is pretty phenomenal to think. And that was 14 years ago. Last year, easy for me not to pick him because I always fade the pole sitter. 
uh, during the Indianapolis 500. Um, you know, Alex Pillow at 16 to one is kind of low. Uh, this is the guy who was second and had a chance to win last year. So I don't really agree with him being down that low. I'm with you on New Garden um, until he can prove that, you know, he's only been in contention for one 500 win. And that was in 2016. And even if Rossi doesn't stretch the fuel, Carlos Munoz wins that race. Uh, he had an okay run, I think, in 19 or 20. But he's never really been a guy that I thought was like, this is he's one of the top two to win during a race. Um, Colton Hurd has never won on an oval. So um, he's faded at Indy, has not had the best of runs there. So I don't really agree with that. Elio at 18 to 1, I still think is very low. Pagano's low. Uh, so there are some good odds to get right now because uh, I certainly think that it will change. But I think Alex Pillow is way too low at 16 to 1. I would grab that yeah. right now, whether you want to bet 100 or 10 bucks, whatever you're comfortable with, even a dollar to win 16, um, I think is worth it because I think he's a guy that's going to be right there to win. Uh, will Power, 12 to 1, had a really crappy 500 the last two years. Uh, but obviously your winner back in 2018. So those just came out. You can check them out, DraftKings, or on my Twitter at Tony D Indy. Uh, Luke, before we go, uh, give people your social media and some really cool things coming up here over the next couple of weeks at the museum and on their social media channels. Yep, my uh, my handle is at Luke Edwards on Twitter. And uh, real quick note, one common thing I've seen on Twitter, I know it sounded like we were shitting all over IndyCar, but one common thread I see is everyone just is saying more, more, more. Give us more IndyCar, and I feel the same way. So uh, anyway, yeah, uh, at Luke Edwards, and uh, we'll be getting ready for this next Long Beach Grand Prix. I'm super excited. I think we're going to see Will Power maybe bump up in the points a little bit. He's always strong on road on uh, street courses and uh, elbows out courses. Obviously, Colton Herta is really good out there too. So yeah, super stoked. BurnoutSports.com, the IndyCar Show. Check out the website. We've got the power rankings up, as we just mentioned, as well as the Oval Newcomers to Texas having pretty impressive weekends. Uh, I'm going to break down these odds tomorrow on BurnoutSports.com, so look for that article. Maybe some uh, some drivers that you can get now that have a lot of value as we are towards the end of March. Thanks, as always, to Jared Sparkman and Luke Edwards for joining me here on the IndyCar Show. Don't forget to like and follow us on all of our social media channels and subscribe to us on YouTube as well. We will see you again coming up next week. Thanks for listening to the IndyCar Show.